On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Angelica. And Angelica was married to a controlling physical abuser. It's a story of security, financial abuse, infidelity, excuses, rage, and feeling trapped. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Angelica. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for being here. And if you want to be a guest like Angelica is today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. And there you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And today there is also a content warning for this episode as we do discuss uh, sexual abuse in this episode. We discuss physical abuse in this episode as well. And there is also a section where it's like a combination of both. So that is your content warning for this episode. And today you're going to hear Angelica's story. And Angelica's story isn't it's not over. It is still ongoing in the sense that there's going to be divorce proceedings and we're going to eventually have Angelica back on the show. But just a really big thank you to Angelica for being our guest today and, and sharing her story. And I'm just going to get out of my way and your way. Angelica, the floor is now yours. Okay. Thank you again for having me. I have found it really helpful to hear the stories of others. So I'm hopeful that maybe hearing my story will help someone else. I guess I will start with my background and my childhood and tell you a little bit about me and where I'm from. I uh, have a wonderful, wonderful family. I am the youngest child in my family. I have two older siblings. Um, I'm 34. My childhood was really um, idyllic. Uh, I I think I had a upper class upbringing. Um, my siblings and I all went to a, a really wonderful uh, Christian private school. Uh, kindergarten through through senior year. My mom worked at the school part-time. My, my mom mostly stayed at home with us. My dad um, worked probably 60 hours a week, was with the same company for his whole career. So probably about 50 years he was with that company. Um, did very well. And my parents both were and are, I just was with them last night for Thanksgiving, wonderful, wonderful people. Um, I'm adopted, actually. I was adopted at birth. I'm the only child in my family who's adopted. So my siblings are my parents' biological children. They're just, my parents are just wonderful people, as are my siblings, loving, nurturing, supportive, compassionate, caring, involved. They were just wonderful. My dad did work a lot, but when he was home, he was just wonderful, hands-on. Um, we all went to church together every Sunday, um, was helpful to my mom around the house. Um, and my parents are very, very in love with each other. I never saw my parents argue. I, I never saw my parents have a fight. Um, I just had a wonderful growing up. So I continued living at home with my parents for a year or two after high school and went to university in the town where we lived. So I went to college, 
continued living at home for a couple years and then moved to uh, a different city, which is where I currently live, um, finished college um, and began work as a teacher. That's what my um, undergraduate degree is in. I, I did want to get married and I wanted to get married one time and I wanted to stay married forever like my parents did. I wanted a healthy marriage. Uh, I, I knew what that looked like from from the example that my parents set. Um, I myself, so so this is where I could really get into the weeds, but I won't. My, like I said, I'm adopted and I'm the only one adopted. So everyone else in my family is related. They're wonderful people. They are all very, I, I would say left brain, very structured, very kind of numerical. They like all work in IT. Um, they're planning holiday get-togethers like one year in advance. Um, and I am not that way. I have always been my whole life very artistic, um, very creative. People say that I'm resourceful. I'm pretty go with the flow. Other people have told me that my mom will kind of laugh and say, oh, she she helped me grow so much as a parent, which is kind of a nice way of her saying that I think she found it challenging to parent me. I, I wasn't a horrible child to raise, but I was very different from my siblings and very different from my parents. And I think that that was um, posed challenges to them. I, they would probably say that I'm a free spirit. I, I guess that's how I, I would best describe myself. Probably looking back on my life now, maybe I can see that I have a little bit of a bleeding heart. When I was a kid, I remember I would often bring home stray cats. Uh, I mean, often, maybe five times. Um, and I would try to keep them by, you know, you know, kids are funny. I would like hide it in my closet or hide it in the garage, which never worked. <laughs> I just, I, I would always, I, I really would always want to give homeless people money if we saw them by the side of the road. And I think maybe even naive a little bit, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back, I think that I, I have a, a tendency to really want to see the best in people even if the red flags are there i i that's just how i'm wired so you started teaching and then you met a person who the story is not about but they were also an abuser and you eventually had a child with them so uh, what happens from here it was at the gym that i met um a man who I got into a relationship with, was very much in love with, thought that I would marry. Um, and we had a child together. We were not married. Uh, and when my daughter was almost one, this man who was my partner, my, my boyfriend, and we lived together, we owned our home together. Um, cheated on me and in an argument about the cheating about a month later he he was physically violent with me and I ended the relationship then I I pressed charges um, I I left at the encouragement of the police I got a restraining order that day um, and that relationship was over um, we went through the courts and adopted a parenting plan. Um, we have joint custody of my daughter, although she's with me probably 95% of the time. And my daughter is seven now. So I was 20, 28 when 
when we split. I was 27, I think, when I had my daughter, 28 when we split. And uh, and then I I continued working and I was a single mom. So now you are a single mom and you've already experienced physical abuse and then you eventually meet the person that this story is about. So take us through how you met this person. So when my daughter was um, three, I enrolled her in Taekwondo, which is how I met my current husband. There were two locations of the school where the Taekwondo school that I enrolled my daughter in. And the location that I went to was um, run by a woman. And on like the the second class that I took my daughter to, um, this woman called her boss to come over to do um, the paperwork so I could finish signing my daughter up for the school. So this gentleman came over. This was the gentleman who I would end up marrying. And I don't think I'll ever forget when he 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 walked in the door really fast. Big energy. He got there really quick. He he walked in fast. He had on a leather jacket. And he was older than me. He's 18 years older than me. He's really very handsome. Uh, he's he's also Korean. There was this moment when he walked in the door that I will never forget. Everybody was quiet. I was thinking, wow, he's attractive. And there was something, obviously, it was very obvious to me, there was something in the air. These two people either had a relationship currently going on, or they had had one. There was just something in the air. I mean, it was very clear. And she looked at me. Everybody just kind of looked at each other. It was very bizarre. One day a week, this gentleman was there to teach the class. So he was teaching my daughter once a week. I would see him on that day every week. And it went on like that. Nothing was going on for a few weeks. On this particular day of the week, that um, that this gentleman was there teaching class. I, my daughter was in, um, a little club program at our church on that same, same day of the week later that evening. And we would have about half an hour, 45 minutes to kill from the time that Taekwondo would end until I took her to her church club. And there was a sandwich shop right next door. So we would eat dinner kill 45 minutes and we then go on to this church club a cookie came with a meal she didn't want the cookie i i think if i'm remembering correctly and 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 this sandwich shop was right next door to taekwondo so i had my daughter you know i said well let's give this to your instructor and i was you know just being friendly uh, he he knelt down on the ground and was really, I thought, really sweet and precious to my daughter and and talked to her and talked talk to me. And that was the first time we really got to talk. Um, and he asked me for my phone number, which I gave him that later that week we saw each other. I had taken um, my child and some of her friends out to like a kid's place for a fun outing. Um, and he met us there. That was how we met. Now we're at COVID in March of 2020 and everything was closing down. Uh, I, I, I can remember specifically one time I driving out to go on a lunch date with my husband, with with the gentleman from Taekwondo and there was no one else on the road. Um, and I, I think we had lunch like at a park or something. I mean, you know, everything was closed. Nobody could do anything. Nobody could go anywhere. And this is when my, my husband started putting a lot of pressure on me to move in with him. And he, he, 
was looking at houses. He was going to keep the house that he had been living in and rent it out as a rental property, but he was looking for a new house. So I looked at houses with him just to go along with him and be supportive. But um, I was not ready. I did not think it was a good idea. We move in together. So really through a lot of pressure from my husband, I, my daughter and I moved in to his house, um, in March of 2020. So you move in with him and soon after you move in, you find out that he is having an affair with that woman from the Taekwondo studio. And in response to this, he does sever ties with this woman and he gives this woman one of the two studios And this person is eventually at that point out of your life and you accept this and you move forward from here. So what happens from this point forward? I was starting to see that my husband had a serious temper. Um, He, he, he's not a smiley person anyway. He's, he's very serious. He's a man of few words. Um, I don't think I've said this yet, but my my husband has two children who are adults now. Uh, when I met him, they were both living with him. So I thought, you know, he's so responsible. His his ex-wife, his children's mother was all the way back in Korea. She had left um, after they had divorced. So he was raising these children. Um you know, he doesn't, he doesn't drink. Um, he's gainfully employed. He, his business does very well. Um, he was agreeable to, my daughter was getting ready to go into preschool. He was agreeable, very supportive of sending her to the, to the school that I, I, I hoped she could attend preschool at. So we were talking about getting married. So in June of 2020, he essentially just gave me an ultimatum one day mid-morning that we would get married that day or the relationship was going to be over and he would want my daughter and I to move out of the house. And the way that he framed it to me was like, your, your, you might, he, he wasn't accusing me of it, but he was implying it and insinuating it. You're taking advantage of me by living in the house. And you're just saying that you want to get married. If you really did want to get married, we would go get married today, which wasn't true. I did want to get married. I had been suggesting that we get premarital counseling, which he wouldn't agree to. And again, I had not wanted to move into the house. I um, I had shortly before I met my husband, I had quit my job at the time, my teaching job, and I was looking for another and I was interviewing. I understood shortly after moving in that he would rather me not work. And I felt like he was very supportive of me being a stay at home mom, which I, I thought was really wonderful. I, I mean, I'm a teacher. I love children. Um that would be great. I could stay at home with my daughter. She wasn't even in preschool yet. So anyway, I bent to his will and over, I think it was either a Tuesday or a Thursday, we got Chipotle and we went to a little justice of the peace shop and got married. And then pretty much immediately afterwards, things got bad. One of the first things that happened was my husband by nature is kind of just an intimidating person. Um, And everybody who knows him knows that he's, he seems very in control at all times. I've thought to myself, he's like in control, even when he's out of control. Um, He's very, he is very to the lead, but it's also 
he he's just controlling really he's controlling um one of the biggest issues in our our marriage ended up being non-consensual sex at the beginning of our marriage i was as a normal person would be completely shocked and absolutely did not accept was not going to accept being forced to have sex when I didn't want to. And we had an otherwise plentifully active sex life. I I mean, by normal relationship standards, that it would ever be okay to force someone to have sex, but it was too much. It was all the time. It was multiple times a day. Shortly after getting married, I learned that I could not say no, which I didn't accept. And I, I would say no. And one of these encounters, and this was in August of 2020, we were on our bed. Um, I did not want to have sex right then. And my husband would not let me get out from underneath him. And we were fighting. It kind of escalated to the point of actually fighting. And I say fighting, it was, I was trying to get up off of the bed. And in the course of this happening, my husband was, he had raised up a pillow, like a really dense, heavy, I don't know, memory foam or some kind of really dense pillow. And he was, I was pinned underneath him on the bed and he was trying to slam the pillow down onto my head. And in an effort to shield my face, I put my hands, both of my hands over my face. And I didn't know that my ring, my, my wedding ring is, is big. It's a three three carat diamond. My ring was inverted on my finger and on my left hand. And when my husband hit me with the pillow, I heard a pop and I've never seen stars before. I don't know if you've seen stars, Brandon, you do. Okay. You actually, your vision completely blacks out and it it is just as the saying goes, you see stars, white and yellow stars. And I, we both heard this pop noise and, and I couldn't see anything. Everything was black. And I just immediately just started crying really hard crying. I didn't know what had happened. And because the pop noise was so loud, my husband kind of stopped what he was doing. And my hands were still over my face and I got away from him and I, I, I brushed him away from me and I was cowered over and I ran into the bathroom and looked in the mirror and my eye was just completely swelling up, starting to shut, swelling up, um, turning colors. And the white of my eye was completely red. Um, and I didn't know what that noise was. So I thought maybe I had broken my nose. Um, I still, I, I, I don't know what the, the noise was. Um, maybe vessels bursting. I, I don't know. But I developed from that a huge black eye. Um, huge that took months to heal that was the only time in my marriage that my husband said the word sorry i wanted to document my black eye so i i did go to a doctor's office uh, the following day and actually he didn't really want to go with me but i i was so worried that when I, if I went to a doctor's office without him, even though I wasn't going to tell the true story of what happened, I knew I was going to tell a lie, which I did. I said a ball had hit me in the face and I blocked it with my hands. 
uh, even though I wasn't going to tell what happened, I, I knew that if I went by myself, when I came back home, either then or maybe days or weeks later, I knew that my husband would accuse me of telling. And I just didn't want to deal with, with defending myself against that. So he went with me and I got my eye looked at. And I, I do still have, and this is now three almost four years later, my, my eye is damaged underneath. Anyway, I, I got that documented. So he obviously has rage issues and you wrote me that he has like zero emotional regulation and things can just really escalate, escalate, escalate. And that's a thing that you're dealing with, but you're also dealing with, you know, financial abuse that starts around here as well. So uh, tell us more about this. Okay. So it it was a, the pattern throughout my marriage was that my husband would become upset over something very small. Um, Maybe my daughter had spilled food out of her mouth while she was eating dinner or something would be out of place in the house. Uh, maybe a toy would be in the living room. I, I was never allowed, um, toys weren't allowed to be out and about in the house. Everything needed to be tidied up just so. I, you would never know what would upset him. And so I would walk on eggshells. I would, I tried really hard. I tried my best to not upset him because the pattern was, he would become upset over something small and and he would be completely unable to regulate his emotions and to stop himself from spiraling out of control by himself and it would get it it would there would be no end to the spiral and you could see it come over him and the situation would just devolve and I would do everything in my control to try to pacify the situation. I would grovel to him for whatever I had done that that had upset him. If I thought that groveling would help, I would grovel. If I thought that staying away from him and giving space would help, I would do that. If I thought that going to him and just basically laying, you know, prostrate at his feet, you know, begging, asking him, what can I, what can I do so that you don't do this? I I would do it, whatever I could do. And most of the time he would, he would tell me to stay away from him. I would stay away. And then he would come to the room that I was in and be upset that I was in that room. Although when I had just gone to the room that he was in, he would tell me to stay away. He would lock me out of the bedroom. Um, He would throw my things out of the bedroom. He would throw my things out of the house. Um, And again, kind of like documenting the black eye, I was documenting a lot. And now since I have filed for divorce and, and I'm turning things over to my attorney, I mean, I have hundreds of pictures and videos um, um, he would call the cell phone provider and cut off my cell phone service. And I would just be, be sitting there and I would, I would discreetly take a video. Uh, he would throw all, he would, he would constantly bag up my clothes into trash bags and either throw them out of the room of the house over the second floor balcony to the first floor. He would throw them out the front door to the house. Uh, He would just put my clothes in the trash can and he would never put any of it back. I would. Um, If I would try to do it while he was still doing what he was doing, we would get into a fight. So what I learned over the years to do was to wait till he was done and then later put my things back and he would just be laying in bed watching YouTube on TV and he would watch me and I wouldn't talk to him I wouldn't say anything and I I would have to act grateful that I was being it was like I should thank him that I'm 
being allowed to continue living in the house, um, which was being signified by the fact that he was letting me hang my clothes back up in the closet. And he would lock me out of the house uh, often. Um, he would either deadbolt the front door or unplug the garage. This would this was like dozens of times in our marriage for any of these things that he that he would do. Uh, so I was constantly walking on eggshells. I was constantly anxious. I did get on a prescription. I, I, I made an appointment. I went in to my psychiatrist. I told him without saying I'm being, I'm, I'm trapped in this marriage and I'm being abused. I, I, I just told him I, we have a lot of conflict in our marriage. That's causing me a lot of, uh, a lot of stress that I need help managing but I was trapped. And a big reason for feeling trapped was financial abuse. And at one point you had a credit card and that was taken away from you. And at that point you kind of just had to ask for cash for everything. You know, he wanted you to be the stay at home mom and not really have you have a teaching position like you were trained for. And so, you know, you're in this kind of cash relationship at this point here and this puts all of the control in his hands so you know what happens from here and and how did you feel about all of this again I I tried to rationalize it to myself that you know I am a stay-at-home mom and this is an okay arrangement I'm I'm sure that some of my other stay-at-home mom friends have an arrangement similar to this and that's fine. And, and I should be grateful for, for being able to be a stay at home mom, which I was, I was very grateful to be a stay at home mom. But when we would have these conflicts that I say conflicts, it was really just him being out of control. I would tell him, I, I think I need to get a job. I think I need to get a job. And I a couple times in my marriage, I did apply with my husband's knowledge. I did apply for jobs. Uh, the one that I almost got was at J. Crew. They were hiring part time. It was during the holidays. This was in 2021. And they just in chatting with a gal at the shop, she had basically, it was the manager, she had said, Well, you should just apply. I'll hire you. Just apply. And my husband was kind of okay with that. So I did all the stuff and it was finished. And when it was time to go in for what would have been my first day at work, my husband told me no, that I, that I couldn't. And so I didn't. So the way that that happened was that was actually the week of his son, his adult son's birthday. And he, he had not wanted to do anything for his son's birthday. And I had, we had talked about it and I had wanted to do something for his son's birthday. And this was on a Sunday that would have been my first day at J crew. And so to kind of like weirdly make up for not letting me go start my job he agreed to do something with us all together all of us his two adult children he and I and my daughter we would do something for his son's birthday which we did we spent the afternoon all together and we took a family picture which I had really always wanted a picture of all of us together and you know, my husband could just never be bothered to do it. So we did it. And it's the only it's it's the only picture that we have even today of all of us together. So I didn't I didn't start my job. I I did sign up to be on the substitute teacher list at my daughter's school. Um, and I would occasionally do that. I always had to ask my husband first, if it was okay, you know, on this given day, if I would take this substitute teaching job. And about nine times out of 10, 
he would say no and not let me. Um, and maybe 10% of the time I, I would be able to take the, take the job, which I really enjoyed, but he would always ask about that money, what I would do with that money. By the end of each month, he would always make sure that I had basically no money left. He was asking how the money was spent or if it had been spent because he wanted to make sure that I wasn't saving any, that I didn't have enough to save month over month, which I didn't. So eventually you two do get pregnant and you have a child together. So tell us about this. So I I had never only wanted to have one child, but I I did only have one child because of the way that the relationship with my daughter's father had ended. It was just my daughter and I, and I wanted to have more children. I love children. I always wanted to have more than one child. And my husband and I did, were trying for a child when we got married. Um, for a while, even in spite of what was going on, you know, Brandon, as stupid as it sounds really stupid now to say it out loud, um, I just decided at the beginning of my marriage that because he was doing horrible things, I just I just decided that no matter what, I was not going to get divorced. I thought that my husband was a very dangerous person. Um, I thought that the marriage was very unhealthy. I knew what was going on, but I I decided that I, I would make my family work. I would I would help my husband. I would get him to, to get help for himself, and I just wasn't going to get divorced. And we were trying for a child at the beginning of the marriage. I would say probably for about one year. And then I did have a mindset shift. And I kind of told my husband in a, in a way that I thought wouldn't make him mad that I didn't think that we should have children until the marriage became healthier and the, the marriage became more stable. And I tried to be really positive. Like I did think that the marriage would get in a better place with some work and time. Um, and he just brushed me off and said, no, if, if we were going to get pregnant, we would have already gotten pregnant. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, I did get pregnant in October of 2022, I got pregnant and we had been married at this point almost three years and hadn't gotten pregnant. So it was a surprise. I remember the, the day I remember taking the test. He wasn't home. And I remember my stomach dropping. And I felt in that moment like I'm completely screwed. I am, I already felt trapped. Now I'm really, really trapped. And I also felt like I was kicking myself. I felt like, even though I, I did, I, even at that time, I still didn't want a divorce, but I, I, when I found out I was pregnant, I felt like you could have gotten divorced any time up, up until now. If you ever get divorced now, now how much worse will it be? Because there will be a child involved, you know? I just, I, I, my stomach dropped and I felt horrible, but by the time that my husband got home that day, I tried my best to be very positive. And I told my husband and he was, he, he was also surprised. We were both very surprised, but he was really excited. 
And almost immediately, I noticed that my husband's behavior changed. He was not so quick to lose his temper. He was, I could tell that he was trying to be more reasonable, but things were still not good. You, I just never knew what would set him off. There was an, and I had some complications at the beginning of the pregnancy. And it was actually um, in January of this year, 2023. So I would have been three or four months pregnant. I had gone to the emergency room to have an appointment to get the baby checked on. And he, he was upset about something and was yelling at me and uh, threatening me before I went to the appointment. And when I came home from the appointment, he had locked me out of the house. Um, he did end up letting me back in the house later the same day. But that was one incident that stood out. He did. He, he locked me out of the house while I was pregnant. And, and, and still I thought, wow, he's really so much better. You know, he's only locked me out of the house, you know, once this month, he's, he's really been trying since I got pregnant. I can tell he's really trying. And I, I think that he was, and it was still really bad, really bad. So then one day your husband gets into an argument with one of his adult children, his son, and he didn't treat his children well, specifically the daughter you told me in your email to me. And this set off a chain of events where you then get kicked out of the house again. So walk us through this. There had been a... a a discussion turned disagreement with my adult stepson really it was between my husband and and his son uh but i was there so i ended up being the punching bag and in this in this role that my husband got himself into as he usually did he kicked me out of the house uh and i was like about 7 months pregnant in april so I, I packed a bag for my daughter and I, and we went and we stayed for seven days at our, my dear friend's house. And my friends were very concerned about, because I, I really opened up to them and was honest about what had been going on in my marriage, but I was seven months pregnant. So they weren't saying get a divorce, but they were saying that this was not normal because I was feeling them out like, well, what kind of fights do you guys have? And, you know, what does I asked my girlfriend, you know, what does your husband do when he's angry? And it was not at all like what my husband does when he's angry. And they were very concerned. And seven days was the longest that I had ever stayed out. And the reason that I agreed to go back home in April was because my husband agreed to go to counseling and I contacted the counselor. He wouldn't do it. He hadn't contacted them. He wasn't going to, but it was like uh, he would go if I would set it up, which was fine. I was happy to do it. So I set up the counseling. We went, it was at our second session in May. Um, my husband, the day before my husband had gotten upset. Um, we had, he, we had slept in different rooms. Um, he was extremely hostile. He was yelling that morning. He wouldn't let me lay in our bed. So I was laying on the floor in our master bedroom closet. Uh, and we had the, our second counseling session was coming up this morning at like 11 o'clock or noon. And I was laying on the floor, um, eight months pregnant. Um, I couldn't go out into our room. He would yell at me like, you know, get, I don't want to fucking see you get the, get the, 
go the fuck where I can't see you, things like that. So I was laying on the floor and it was very uncomfortable because I was eight months pregnant. So I actually calmly uh, got my purse and went to our counselor's office. I was two hours early and I just sat in the lobby. And as I was driving to the counseling appointment, my husband started calling me repeatedly and I wasn't picking up. And he texted me. He wanted to bring me the car. The reason that he was saying that was because I had left the house. And this is in his mind. I had left the house without his permission. There, why did I go out at nine o'clock in the morning? There was no reason for me to leave. So if you're going to do things without the permission in that car, you don't have the car. You don't need the car. So bring the car back. Which I didn't do. I, I got to our counselor's office two hours early and I was sitting in the lobby. My husband was continuing to call me. I wasn't answering his calls. I was feeling, I mean, my stomach was just in knots. You would never know what he would do next. I never knew what he would do next. So I would feel anxious. I uh, shaking. I was always shaking. Um, I, I mean, I was hiding. The reason I went to the counselor's office was, I guess, basically to to hide or to try to feel safe. Um, so I was waiting there and then he shows up and he comes to me in the lobby at the counselor's office, wanting the keys to the car. And I was not giving the keys to my car. I was sitting in my chair trying to stay calm no matter what he did, no matter what he said. I was just staying calm. But he was escalating to the point that our counselor opened her door and asked him to quiet down. He said basically some kind of open-ended threat like, we'll deal with this later. I'll get those keys later. And he left. I stayed there. He came back for our counseling appointment. And the counseling appointment did not go well. The counselor basically said that this is abuse. What's going on in your marriage is abuse. Um, and I, I will no longer see you two together as a couple. I'm happy to see both of you separately. If, if you want the marriage to improve, your husband needs counseling on his own. Um, but I can no longer see the two of you together. And this is an abusive relationship. So I deferred to my husband. Well, I'll do whatever you want is, you know, cause I really, really wanted continued counseling. Do you want to continue seeing her? Do you want me to stay with her? And he kind of begrudgingly agreed to just continue seeing her. I don't, I think he didn't want to start back at square one with a new person. So we agreed he would keep seeing her. I would see a different provider there at that office. And that was the end of the session. I was scared to go home after the session. So I went and parked the car in a parking lot that was on my route home for an hour just to kind of calm down. And at this point, it was almost time to get my daughter from school. My house is on the way to my daughter's school. So I stopped uh, actually at my house to use the restroom. And as I was leaving, my husband is pulling in the driveway as I'm pulling out. And he motions to me to roll down the window, which I do. And he tells me to give him my keys, which would have meant I wouldn't have been able to pick up my daughter from school. He wasn't going to give me any other keys. It was the point was you don't get to drive a car, basically. And I was already in the car. I was reversing out of the driveway. I rolled my window up and I said, I'm not doing this right now. If you want the keys, I can give them to you later. I'm going to pick up from school. And so I left and he followed me. And I have to get on the highway to get to my daughter's school. He got on the highway and he was following me and he was calling me repeatedly just calling 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 and I was scared to pick up the phone so I didn't and I took off you know it's a fast car I guess ironically <laughs> I 
I, I sped away. I, I sped away. I got off an exit that wasn't my exit. I lost him. I called my daughter's school and I told them to, that they needed to put my husband on the no pickup list because I was afraid that he was going, because, because I wouldn't give him the car in his mind, the way he thinks, even though the car wasn't important to me, I wasn't keeping the car because it was important to me in his mind. He loved the car or, or he wanted to take away something from me that was important. I was afraid that he would go to my daughter's school and, and take her. And I called the school and I said, my husband is unstable. I'm afraid that he might be coming to the school to get my daughter. Can you please put him on, on the no pickup list, which they did. I went to the school, I got in line, I got my daughter, I turned the location off on my phone, and then I went to the park, and I turned the location off on the Tesla. I went to the park after school, and my husband found me there. With That means that he was looking for me. It was after about an hour we had been at the park, he found me there, and he did take away my keys. I stayed at the park with my daughter until that evening when I knew he was at work and found a way to get home. Friends of ours in the neighborhood said that my daughter and I could come stay at their house for a while. And so we did. I packed up bags for us and we took, we took our pet as well. And we, I've never I didn't go home again to my husband. I stayed with them for, for a couple days, stayed at my parents out of town for a couple days, um, stayed at a hotel for a couple days, and called, called the attorney that I had used for custody with my daughter and explained my situation and said, I think I need a divorce. And I was about 32 weeks pregnant then. And she talked me through the situation and she said, you need a restraining order because uh, this is bad. I was still in contact with my husband and I, I downloaded a phone recording app this week. And we had many discussions and many phone calls over the course of this week. And he was, he, he was telling me that he was quitting counseling. He was done with counseling and to come home. And I, uh, at that time, my, my kind of, my standard again was, I'm not going to come home unless you're in counseling. But he was telling me that he wasn't going, he was done with counseling. And so I was saying, I'm not coming home. And there was a conversation where he was telling me to come home and I wouldn't agree. After that conversation, he called me over 125 times in a couple of hours. I didn't take the calls. When I did take his call, I, I recorded the phone call. It was just him. It was a one hour long call and it was just him cursing at me, screaming at me. Um, telling me that he hates me. He hates me. He hates me. He hates me. Um, and I was having pregnant ladies will know when you're stressed, really stressed or dehydrated, but stress will do it too. You, you can have, um, they're, they're like false contractions. And this whole week I had just been having like nonstop contractions. And I was really afraid of, maybe going into preterm labor. And it was this phone call that I decided that I, 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 I did need to get a divorce. I had zero money, um, didn't have a car. My name's not on the house. I had nothing, no place to go. And I, I did. The next day, I went to the police station and said, here's what's been going on. Is any of this criminal? And as it so happened, actually, they told me these, the, the quantity of phone calls in that period of time met the statute for domestic violence harassment. Would I 
like to press a charge? And I said, yes. I went to the sheriff's department and I filed a restraining order. He was served with a restraining order the next day. And I, I went home then and my attorney filed for divorce the first week of June. At our restraining order hearing, you when you file the rest, my restraining order was granted immediately the day that the the day that I filed it, the judge reviewed it and and signed it, and we had a a hearing in my state. The way that it works is the judge may or may not grant it immediately. Mine did, and then you have a hearing on the restraining order two weeks out, and then the judge will order it for a longer term or not, maybe dismiss it. And at that hearing, um, as the attorneys were negotiating before we went to the judge, my husband was asking if I was asking me to, to drop it, that he, that he wanted to work on the marriage. And I was, um, eight months pregnant at this time, but we had done this not this with the restraining order, but but he had done this hundreds of times. Tell me he hates me. He wants a divorce. He wants me out of the house. He doesn't love me. He hates me. He hates me. He hates me. Uh, and then it's like a flip would switch a couple days later. So it was more of the same, even though still at this point, I did really, really want to be married. My heart wasn't done. But I did say through the attorneys, no. Um, and he was served with the divorce papers at that restraining order hearing. And um, and the judge did grant my restraining order. So that was in June. Uh, I had my son in July, the day that my son was born. And my husband's attorney said the baby might not be his. My attorney told me, give the baby your last name. And we'll absolutely be going for sole custody, which we are now. We have filed for sole legal custody and sole physical custody. Um, so my son was born July 12th um, with, with much, much help from my parents and my friends. I moved with my newborn son and my daughter uh, in August when my son was four weeks old. We moved into a little rental house. And my husband has, uh, we've had, we've had court appointed attorney mediation at which my husband would not agree to give me any support. We've had one, one hearing so far with our judge. Um, the judge told him to be, to start providing support. Um, and he has not all this while since May 3rd, um, my husband cut me off from, well, I was never on any bank accounts, but of course there was no more cash, you know, um, all of our living expenses and, and needs have been paid that that's been money lent to me by my parents. The attorney retainer was paid by my parents because of course I couldn't get work when I was eight months pregnant or nine months pregnant couldn't really work when my son was a newborn. I have recently gotten a job in social work um, that I'm, I've started now, but even with all of the income from my work, I, I'll still need support, um, which thus far my husband's not agreeing to provide. As I reflect back on my marriage, it's hindsight is 2020 it's clear to me now that i should have upheld my boundaries and resisted the pressure to move so quickly the pressure from my husband um at the beginning of the relationship um i had i saw red flags i had gut feelings that i explained away. There was a lot of cognitive dissonance going on in terms of me seeing behaviors from my husband 
and being concerned, but at the same time, I was telling myself that he could change, that no one would want to be that way. So with a little bit of help, he would want to um, improve his own self and improve his relationship skills. And, and I guess in hindsight, I would listen to, listen to my gut, follow my instincts. Um, yeah. You know, you are going through this divorce process, but you are out of everything. So as far as how you've processed things so far, have you been able to do any sort of healing? I know that's uh, very difficult to do while you're still dealing with all this, but has there been, what kind of processing is, is, has happened for you? Sure. Well, as hard as it has been, and it, it's been hard. I mean, in the span of eight weeks, I filed, got a restraining order, filed for divorce, had my son move with the newborn uh, in the summer when it's very hot in the Midwest. Uh, and my, my, you know, losing the family that I really, really wanted and really thought that, that I would have. It's as hard as that's been, the feeling in the home is it can't even compare is so much better my daughter says things to me now that that reveal to me what her even though we're close and we've always been very close and I would talk with her in my marriage I would tell her this is wrong or um you know, or, or sometimes I would hide things from her. If, when I could, I would hide things from her. Um, the, the mood in the home now is so much, is, is so much healthier. Um, and I, that tells me that I did the right thing. Um, I've been able to continue my own counseling. Um, because I am pinching pennies, I'm not going as often as I would like to go or that I think I, I probably need to go, but I am going. Um, I, I would like to start getting back into the gym. I, I think that would be good. Um, it's a process day by day and week by week. I'm improving. You know, I wasn't sleeping at all. Uh, towards the end of my marriage uh, and even initially following the divorce. And, and then I had my, my newborn too. So I was up every hour or two. My sleep is improving. Um, and it, at first it was really hard. It, it's, I was just so anxious. And I, when my son was born, I was, I think I was depressed for a few weeks, just the devastating loss of, I've never even heard of this, uh, someone, you know, filing for divorce at nine months pregnant, their husband's not there. I'm married, but my husband's not there when my son was born. It was a little scary too having my son without my husband there. Having a baby is a serious, you know, you're in the hospital and you're all hooked up. I'm fortunate and blessed. I had a, a you know, wonderful girlfriends there with me and my, my, my parents. Um, but it was really hard. And I was just so heartbroken for, for a couple weeks. Um, but it's, it's improving. And, and every, every week that goes by and every day that goes by, I know I've made the right choice for my children and for me. Um, but my priority is doing what's best for my children we're getting there and things are evening out week by week. Well, Angelica, I really want to thank you for being here with us today, sharing your story. I know you're going to help a lot of people. You've been through a lot and, you know, you're going to be going through this process, this divorce process as well and dealing with, you know, probably a lot of stuff that's going to be able to help people in the future as well through that experience. And hopefully we'll have you back to talk about that, 
you know, when it is over. But just a really big thank you for being here with us today and sharing your story and, you know, being you. So a really big, 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 big thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. Thank you so much for for taking time to have me on and for having the platform that you have and allowing people to share their stories. I I know that there are people out there who even now in 2023 with the internet and everything feel like, is anyone else dealing with this? Because it is so unreal and, and un. Uh, abnormal. And I, I, I'm, I know that by hearing the stories that your platform enables people to share that, that people are knowing that they're not alone and maybe are able to get courage to leave their situations. So thank you. Well, you helped out a lot with that today. So a big, 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 big thank you for doing that again. And if you want to be a guest like Angelica was today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There, you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our guest form and press the submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And just please keep on sending in those stories. And if you are someone that needs support, please visit our website if you need support at NarcissistApocalypse.com because we have a support group there. And inside our support group, you'll see that we have forum boards for you to post on. We have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. It's a wonderful group of people on there excellent group of people on there and they can validate everything that you have been through. You can validate them. You can make friends. So just go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, click on that support group button and we will see you there. And we have a friend of the show called DomesticShelters.org. So if you need more support, go to DomesticShelters.org. DomesticShelters.org has articles and resources to help you make sense of what you are dealing with. They have every every phone number, email address, and web address for shelters and agencies, no matter how big or small the town you are in. DomesticShelters.org has it there. It is a wonderful free, free resource and organization, so please do go visit them. And we also have a friend of the show called Shelter Movers. And Shelter Movers can be found at sheltermovers.com. And Shelter Movers helps survivors of domestic violence transition to a better and safer life. It is a volunteer organization, a donor-supported charitable organization as well. It is currently only in Canada, but they're looking to expand in the United States. And what they do is they help coordinate moves for people who are getting out of domestic violence and coercive control. They also help get all of your things out of your home into storage, all of your belong- all of your belongings into storage, and they can do this for your pets and livestock too. It is a wonderful organization. And if you just need help from them or you just want to donate to them, please go to sheltermovers.com. And that is it for today's episode, for today's survivor story. So for myself and Angelica, we hope you have a good night. <laughs>